0: G
1: Revelation 12 11. and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock.
2: Dear listener greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. We're delighted to have your company. I'm on location in a very special place in Malaysia called Anon Healthcare, it's Anon Health Retreat. It's like a health farm, and I have the chairman of Anon with me in the studio today, Yip Kopp Toe. Yip, welcome to the program.
3: Well, I'm glad you're here in Malaysia. Uh, as you can see, it's a really beautiful spot. It is a beautiful place. Yes, and um, well, welcome to Anon. And uh, here we are dedicated to helping people achieve even better health.
2: Well, look, I've been here for three days now, and I have to say my mind's starting to feel clearer, and I'm feeling sharper. And my wife is also saying that she's starting to feel better already. So oh. I didn't expect it to change in a matter of days, but some people take maybe a little bit longer. But we're here with a group of about 30, 32, 34 people, all going through this health program, learning how to cook good vegan food, plant-based food. We're having lectures on health. We're getting our, um, our vitals Checked every morning, we have special herbal teas, there's some people on juice fast, there's some people eating vegetarian food, and there's a lot of group exercise together and group time. It's a wonderful experience. And, uh, you know, for a holiday, people sometimes go on cruises. I would recommend this. Cruise, you get fat, here, you get healthy. (laughs) Oh, yes.
3: And this morning, whilst you were in that group, um, there was uh, another couple there, uh, from Australia, yes. Victoria, I, I, I understand. That's right. No, we've got people here not only from Malaysia, but from Singapore, from the UK, yes, um, from Hong Kong. Yes. And we have some so, people from Western Australia, WA. Yes. And we've been doing this for 17 years now. Wow. And so our reputation has gone far and wide mm. and we've got a, a, a diverse crowd here.
2: Yeah, I I just heard three weeks ago, so this was uh, about a week before we left Australia to come here, that another friend of ours had come here, unbeknownst to us. He did the 20-day program, and he had a lot of health issues, diabetes and a few other things, and he lost 10 kilos in 20 days, just the detoxing. So it's all the toxins coming out of his system. And he, when he came back, his wife couldn't believe
3: how good he looked. He looked healthy, had a healthy glow in his face. Yes, the, the testimony of what we can achieve here is often not just in the, the blood test and incoming and outgoing medical, yeah. it's how one feels and, and the, mm. the radiance that come from uh, the, 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 the... The inner health. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wonderful. So, yep. Uh, what do I what's your first name? What do I call you? It's well, call me...
3: Well, that's the family name. That's the family you know, name. The, the Chinese got it the other way around. Okay. Yes, Cocteau is the, uh, the other
2: name. So, Cocteau... Uh, what do you do here? Because uh, you've, we've been here a few days, and we saw you this morning. You did a wonderful uh, presentation for
3: us. What are your responsibilities at ANOM? Well, uh, there are three founders here. Basically, mm. there is uh, the young president David Farm, yes, and then the medical doctor Dr. Lee, yes, and I am the third. I'm uh, one of the well, one of the three co-founders. Okay. I'm also chairman of the board. Uh, my background is in accounting. So I'm familiar with uh, uh, financial matters. So okay. that's, so that's part-
2: your responsibilities around the financial. Plus, of course, you do, do lectures and presentations as well.
3: Yes. Uh, uh, my family and I came through New Start, which is basically what the program is here. My wife, right, the 30 New Start, years which ago. Is the eight laws of health. Yes. Yes, okay. that's right. 30 years ago, my wife attended a New Start, which is the health program. Right. And then she became baptized, and and we found dramatic improvements in health. Mm. Not just at, for us at our age, but for our children. At that okay. time, my young my youngest was two years old, mm. my oldest was ten, mm. and um, and we had a well. The the youngest was was a daughter, and the oldest was a daughter, and my son was right in the middle. And a permanent feature in our refrigerator was a Tupperware full of cough medication huh? and antibiotics of different colors right but six months after we changed our lifestyle mm. particularly our diet that Tupperware was gone from our fridge mm. not that they didn't get the flu yeah but they would catch it but you know in a day or two it's all over naturally so your immune system was boosted and
2: much stronger to oh, fight yes, the you know the, yes. the bugs yes well, wow, fantastic. So that inspired you, obviously, with the Eight Laws of Health, uh, you know, the New Start program, and you got involved 17 years later here with ANON. Not on this particular premises, another place, but nearby.
3: Yes, uh, it's another spot. Uh, that was a, our first, a very modest uh, place uh, on one little acre of land, flat land. Mm. Uh, but as we grew more uh, popular, more well known, uh, we had to expand because we are not just a health center; we are also a, a school for therapists. Okay. And and the students come from all over Asia, yeah, even the West. And so as we 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 were bursting at the seams on that one acre, we had to move. Mm. And so about seven years uh, ago, we moved to this spot here. Uh, we've got here thirteen acres on top of a hill and uh, with the a beautiful, oh,
2: view. beautiful view. Yes. Yeah. Now, I feel very peaceful quite often in the afternoon, just as the sun's about to set. I'll sit outside and just look over the peaceful view. The cool breeze is just starting to come in. It is a wonderful place, and I would highly recommend it. I've only been here three or four days, and already I'm receiving the benefits. You know, if you're feeling stressed, this is a great place to come. If you've got health issues, this is a great place to come. And if you just want to have you and your wife come away, you know, it can even be a little bit romantic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, we've had a few weddings here. <laughs> have you really? <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: Well, there you go. I'm not surprised. It's such a beautiful place. Yes. Now, so this is what you're currently doing. You live in Singapore, but you appear quite often as part of your your responsibilities with Anon. Yes. Uh,
3: every opportunity I get, I'll be here. So get out uh, of the uh, big uh, smoke. Yes. 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 Uh, it's a. It's a. Singapore. Is a concrete jungle, really. Yes. Uh, so here is where I, I, I find my, my, myself. So okay. I, I give lecture, health lectures here. Mm. And, um, and that's how I met you, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, how, yeah. that's how we met. And well, here we, we want to tell people about the benefits of not just a, a healthier uh, a diet or exercise, but we want to tell them how wonderfully they are made. Mm. That if they, how wonderfully they're designed, and if they took the trouble to know themselves and to treat their bodies, which are wonderfully made, mm. the way it should be treated, yes. they would reap tremendous benefits.
2: Mm. Yeah, not, none of us are born with an owner's manual on how to treat your body, but here you can learn how to treat your body well. Yeah,
3: exactly, and it's so simple. Mm. Yeah. So it's a simplicity that attracts people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the benefits bring them back, um, the place and the friendliness and the, well, uh, the hospitality that, that exude from our young people, even yeah. uh, our young therapists, um, that, that hospitality uh, amazes, the, the, the hospitality and the service of young people for the older people yes. brings a lot of people back.
0: Mm.
2: You know, I, I have been really impressed by the the quality of the staff here, the way they treat people. They're obviously very well trained. But the other thing I think, you can't fake this. I think they believe in what they're doing. They believe in what they're doing to help other people, and that comes through in the whole experience we've had with them. You know, a genuine
3: interest in your health and trying to improve it. Um, you may have detected at this morning's uh, lecture... yes that we emphasize service, uh, unconditional service, unconditional care, as something that activates the frontal lobe of the brain.
2: Mm, I remember something about the ACC being activated. That's yeah, right. This, the, this the...
3: place called the anterior cingulate cortex, the ACC yes. for short. When it activates, it, um, it is the place of love. Mm. It is the place of hope and optimism. And when the ACC is activated... It suppresses another part of the brain that's responsible for depression. Mm. So when the ACC is activated in service for the other, as as you can as you saw with the, the therapist, uh, they activate the ACC. It's a plate of hope and optimism and love, and it gives them. It suppresses their amygdala, which is the place of uh, fear and depression. So here, as they work, <laughs> they reap the benefits of their service. Wow!
2: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I praise God for that because I years ago used to st- suffer with depression, and this morning after your lecture, I actually understood which areas of the brain I was activating most, and also the the activating factors that yeah. can lead to that. Too much television and some of those factors, you know, and um, depression that comes from that and even stress at work mm. all those factors can play a part but the one will actually deactivate so if you activate the ACC it will deactivate the amygdala that's right so, so. I remember a little bit from your <laughs> lecture so it was worthwhile <laughs> that's good <laughs> now um, I understand you weren't born in Singapore though you lived there you were born here I wonder if we can just step back to your upbringing your beginnings you know the influences in your life and so on and
3: perhaps even your religious uh, outlook on life at that time well I'm Malaysian Uh, I was born into a Taoist family. And Taoism, the central feature of Taoism is the family altar for the veneration of uh, the immortal soul of the the deceased ancestors. Hmm. Uh, But Malaysia was a British colony. Hmm. So uh, the British were here. One of the strongest things they brought to Malaysia was the British... Education system, right. so I was English educated, mm. and being an English educated, I disregarded my family tradition, my family beliefs as superstition. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I left Malaysia uh, after I finished high school mm. and went on to London okay. to study accounting.
0: Right.
2: Now your English education here was there any Christianity in that or was it very secular uh, education
3: oh it was secular okay uh, there were Christian schools hmm. uh, started by the Methodists and the Anglicans but I wasn't in one of those schools okay. yeah. so it was secular hmm. um, English education okay so you do your
2: schooling here till high school finish high school and then go over to London or when did you go to uh-
3: yes uh, I, I think you, you would call it High school or A-levels. A-level, okay. Yeah. Uh, At that time, I was still in my Taoist frame of mind. Um, And um, the funny thing was what London did for me. Uh, In Malaysia, when I was growing up, there were lots of people doing meditation,
0: Mm.
3: Buddhist meditation, yoga. But these were mainly people who were hermits and recluses. They were doing it in the caves, by the river, you know, and I, I, I had no regard for them right. because they were too they were on their own, out on a, on a limb, right? Okay. But the funny thing was when I went to London at 18, meditation was the rage. It held center stage in London. Oh, really? Yes, because uh, the Beatles uh, were uh-huh. doing meditation with Maharishi. Mm. Uh, and uh, the kind of meditation they did was transcendental meditation. Okay, so what is transcendental meditation? Um, let me describe the uh, the scene first in, okay. in London. Sure, it's kind of interesting. Um, whilst it was the thing of hermits in the East, in London the Beatles were doing it, and they were uh, uh, celebrities. Mm. Uh, other celebrities were doing it, and there was the. Uh, the, the hippies, the flower people yes. and free love uh, and this intellectual freedom and so forth. And so that got a hold of me and they had English books in in, in on meditation. So I picked up one mm. and got drawn into this thing called Zen meditation. Wow. So that started my uh, conversion, if you like, from <laughs> Eastern uh, boring superstitious taoism to some to a flight of fancy mm. to zen meditation which was rather romantic philosophical intellectual okay yeah so that's what london one the, of the Lon- things that london did for me that's incredible
2: yeah so i would have thought your experiences here would have been closer to that you go
3: to the west ah uh, it was you- badly packaged oh. in the east you see ah, the okay. west packaged it and said that's how it's it was sold and, and and the same thing now. Mm. The guys who do yoga, yes. right, postural yoga in the east, are in their loin cloth. Mm. Okay, <laughs> the guys doing it in the US wear a hundred dollar uh, a hundred dollar yoga pants. <laughs> right. So it's how it's packaged. Mm. Interesting. So you're you're you're
2: in London, and you start getting into. Um, Transcendental meditation.
3: That, that was the way they... Uh, well, that's how, how they, they thought it, but they, they packaged it with uh, intellectual freedom, with mind over matter. Okay. Um, uh, free love, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, that, that life is a flow. Life is blissful and tranquil and uh, secularism mm. was uh, boring and, and controlling and, and uh, we need to break free and freedom is in how you think okay. so uh, mental freedom was uh, you can think what you want I can think what I want and yet we are both right
2: ah, Okay, so very subjective view of things
3: Yeah, yeah Very fluid mm. and that appealed to someone who's 18, 20 it appealed to a society that found itself too hemmed in. Mm. Yeah. So it was modernistic, postmodernistic. modernistic uh, It was intellectual freedom. Wow. Um, but then I got, I came back, I got married, I had children. And uh, one day, me and my wife with three kids said to ourselves, um, this fluidity mm. of our lives is not something we want for our children. Uh, we want more uh, order and form for them to grow up in. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can't have my kids saying, hey, Dad, you know, uh, what I think is what I think, what you think is what you think, and we're both right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work. Well, it's not going to work. <laughs> so we were looking, we were searching.
0: Yeah.
3: And then my wife uh, attended... The New Start program, the health program.
2: Okay, this is the one from about 30
3: years ago now you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the benefits were tremendous. And I got involved and got in, in, into it. And it was so beneficial that I became involved with this, the start of Annan. Yes. Yes. And that was 17 years ago. Mm. But before that, right, uh, there was something more dramatic, dramatic in my life. Uh, I was in deep into Zen meditation, and Zen uh, uh, gave me tranquility, and, and I did not know that it did not give me the strength of deep love. Tranquility and bliss mm. were the compensations I got, but there was not the strength of the love of God. Okay. Okay. And I now discovered this uh, when. Three of my friends, who were Christians dragged me to listen to a preacher, mm. and the preacher was speaking on Christ, the power of him crucified for three days. Wow and as a Zen Buddhist meditator, um, it was strange at first to me, mm. and then it was news to me, but then after three days, I began to feel and to know the strength of the love of God, which I lacked as a meditator. Because in meditation, it's all about bliss and tranquility. Being at one with the universe.
2: So is that the object of the meditation, of Zen
3: meditation? Yes. Uh, 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 You are, when you meditate, when they meditate, the the idea of meditation is to empty your mind of all thoughts. Mm. Right. And in emptying a mind of all thoughts, what happens in the brain is most crucial. Uh, the researchers, um, particularly Dr. Andrew Newberg, he tells us that when we starve the brain, the frontal lobe, mm. another part of the brain goes down, gets deactivated, and it's called the parietal lobe. The parietal lobe is what tells us where we are in three-dimensional space. Okay. When the parietal go- lobe goes down, you lose your position in three-dimensional space. Mm. For example, now you know you're about three feet from me. That's right. Ten feet from the ceiling, 20 feet from the, uh, the door. Yeah. Uh, you've got a broad sense of your body shape. You've got your hands uh, crossed uh, in front of your body. Yeah. But when you lose all that, you lose just your body outline. Mm. You lose your position in three-dimensional space and you feel that you're one with the universe, and the whole universe is one with you. Wow. This is the high point of Eastern meditation. You lose a sense of space and time. You become physically infinite without border, mentally infinite, and spiritually infinite. Now, it's a dramatic feeling. Mm. And it comes with other parts of the brain kicking in, you got more sleep waves in the brain, so you feel tranquil. Your amygdala is calm, so you feel blissful. Mm. So it comes with all this bliss and tranquil and euphoric, dramatic neural phenomena in the brain. Mm. So the East, when that happens, they say it's the rana. Right, okay. When Buddha got there, the Buddhists call it liberation. Freedom. Mm. Yeah. Um, TM, Transcendental Meditation, which the uh, Beatles were doing, mm. when they got there, it's universal consciousness. Okay. Being one with everything. It's different names, but the same thing. Right. Okay. And um, Zen, uh, which I did, would call, has, ha, had a Japanese name for it. It's Satori. So different names for the same neural phenomena. So I was heavy into this. Mm. Now, my friends, now, now, being in this, I felt that I was universally enlightened, conscious. Mm. But then I I was blissful and tranquil. But then when my friends dragged me to listen to this preacher speak for three days on the cross of Christ and him crucified, I detected something which I lacked. I was blissful, I was tranquil, but I lacked the knowledge of the love, of the great love of God. Mm. It's not the same. Being blissful and tranquil is not the same as love. Interesting. So this love drew me and the power of of Christ on the cross. um, uh, This is how the preacher uh, put it at that point. He said, this was the third day, the culminating Mm. third day. He asked the question, Whose hands deserves to be nailed? Our hands, which have done evil, mm. given hurt, rejected responsibility, stolen perhaps. Yeah. But his hands were nailed. And at that point, when, he, when the speaker made that point, I felt in the love of God, I, I, by the third day, I knew the love of Christ. Mm. I knew the strength of his love. But it, when the speaker said what he said, I felt the immense sense of the love of God, which gave me confidence to see my sins, the evil that my hands had done. Mm. That it was, it was my hands that deserved to be nailed, but it was His in love that was nailed. So at, in one instant, I felt the love of God, and I saw my own sins. And that was the turning point of my life.
2: Wow.
3: Such love I had never conceived of before in meditation. Mm. Uh, especially Zen. Uh, universal consciousness, even if you're one with the whole universe, yeah. it's euphoric. Hmm. But where is love? It's not there.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So
3: that was a turning point of my life. But the the, the speaker uh, emphasized it even further. He asked the question: whose feet deserves to be nailed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he did not have to emphasize it. I knew it was my feet because I had walked in wayward paths. Mm. I had run away, I've kicked, I've given hurt, you know. So again that point of the love of God which gave me the the, the confidence, the, the 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 ability to confront my own sins that was given to me by that speaker when he talked about the cross at Calvary. Mm. So that's interesting. So it got me out of my, my Zen mode. It got you
2: out of your Zen mode. Yeah, yeah. But the package, when it was sold to you initially, when you went over there, it was all about free love, and love was the words that they used to to present ah, this whole concept. Okay. So, how do you reconcile not having the experience of deep love yes. versus the love that was presented as part of the package?
3: Yes. See, l- there are many aspects of love. Right. Right. It, that can be. Eros, erotic love, sure. yeah, love between brothers, mm. uh, Philos, uh, yeah. uh, yes, Philosophy. yes, yeah. that can be agape. Mm. All right, the love that the speaker uh, spoke of was the agape, the unconditional love of God—a uh, love that we don't deserve, but yet God gave mm. because He is love. So that love is very different from the free love of hip, hippiedom, right. of, of, of that unrestricted uh, love uh, that Zen offered, which that, that kind of love, it is like this, okay? Um, the Dalai Lama, mm. one of his favorite quotes, his famous quotes was, what is love? In love, he said, there is no judgment. Now, mm. in other words, in love, there's neither good nor evil. Yes. Uh, we is. don't need to differentiate. Mm. And that freedom is love. Now, in Christianity, what confronted me when I heard that speaker, what, what I found at the cross was in the strength of the love of God for me, of Christ for me, I knew my sins. I knew, I began to understand the differentiation that I need between good and evil, between sin and righteousness. And that was the converting strength of God for me to confront my own evil. Wow. See, in meditation, Mm. at the high point when there is no limit, when physically without limit, mentally no limit, and spiritually no limit... Mm. When there is no limit, there are no polar opposites. There are no good, no evil, no life, no death. There is a detachment from reality. Mm. And if there's no life and no death, then it renders Jesus irrelevant. The cross becomes irrelevant. If there's no sin and righteousness, the cross Mm. becomes irrelevant. So Eastern meditation renders the cross irrelevant. When the parietal goes down, all polar opposites disappear. No good, no evil, no life, no death, no heaven, no hell. No need to distinguish between God and Satan. Mm. That is the uh, subtle seductiveness of Eastern meditation.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. I was just listening to that and looking at how uh, the, the Christian perspective on life The demonstration of God's love at the cross is actually a demonstration in the judgment of God against evil. And that, more than anything else, actually demonstrates how much God loves us. Now, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says that um, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Yes. Now, that is love. Mm. I appreciate you making that point. We're just going to go to a break. And then straight after the break, we'll look at unpacking those concepts a little bit further. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make to your self-control if you read the Bible? In a study, participants were given sentences containing five words to unscramble. Some contained religious themes, others didn't. Then they were asked to complete tasks that required self-control, involving enduring discomfort delaying gratification, exerting patience and refraining from impulsive responses. Those who unscrambled the sentences with religious themes had significantly more self-control in completing their tasks, which surprised the lead researcher, who previously thought that religion had little practical use. The very book that strengthens self-control, the Bible, claims to do so. Quote... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So keep a Bible handy. It makes a difference.
2: Welcome back. Just before the break, uh, we were talking about love and the love that's presented in a package with Zen meditation and then of the love that confronted you when you were at a program that ran for three days that spoke about the love of God and how the love of God was manifested in judgment where the love that was presented in Zen meditation and also the way the Beatles packaged it was a love that does not judge at all. There is no yes. right or wrong in that love. But in the love of God, there is a right and a wrong, and God demonstrates His love through the process of judgment. Yes. 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 Yeah, so maybe you can unpack that, because you're obviously now confronted with a new experience and a new worldview, which was different from the past. So what made you move away when there was... Tranquility within the processes that you were participating in in your spirituality yes. to now want to move away from that and be attracted to something else.
3: Yes. One of the... Uh, it was a health issue of mine mm. that caused me also to take up meditation because meditation uh, promised to give uh, bliss and tranquility. Yes. What I suffered from was uh, a s- stomach migraine. Right. Mm. When people are stressed, they get a headache, a migraine. Yes. But the doctors tell me my problem is a stomach migraine, where I would throw up not just for a day, but for two days, mm. and I need to be—I I would be dehydrated. I need to be jabbed, uh, and that was part of stress. Mm. Now, I need what I needed. What I thought I needed was bliss and tranquility, and so I hung on to Zen. Okay, and that would bring the opposite of the stress. That was supposed to alleviate the stress completely. Exactly. Right. But after, my, after listening and, and after meeting Christ at the cross, I realized that the love of God would, should give me, if it gave me the confidence to confront even my own sins, I would think that Christianity would allow me the ability to confront my weaknesses, my faults, that I may overcome that stress. Mm. I, I must deal with the underlying reason for my stress. Right. Okay. okay. So you're confronting
2: reality here where in the past it was detaching from reality from exactly, what you said before. Exactly. Okay.
3: Now, as I, I then became a Christian, I got baptized and I studied the Bible. Mm. And I studied, as I studied the Bible, I began to contrast the life of Buddha with the life of Christ. Now, let's focus on the life of Buddha first. Okay. He grew up as a prince in a palace. The king and queen loved him. Mm. They didn't want him to see old age. They didn't want him to see suffering. Mm. So they brought in young servants, retired old servants. Buddha got married, had children, never saw death, never saw old age, until mm. one day he followed a charioteer out of the palace walls. And there he saw a corpse, a funeral, Mm. And it stressed him out. Mm. And then he found liberation from that suffering, from that stress, in meditation. Now, let okay. me try to explain this. In Buddhism, one is caught between two things. One is karma, karma is your good and evil account, your deeds. Okay. All right. If you had too much evil, you've got to balance it off with. Uh, enough good. Mm. If you have a bad, evil account, bad karma, in your next life you reincarnate. Right? And that's the other part of the problem. In your reincarnation, if you had an evil account, you may reincarnate into something uh, inferior, like a, a rat. A lower life. Uh, yes, <laughs> or, or a pig, right? Or a pig. <laughs> All right? So a Buddhist is basically caught between these two things mm. uh, karma and reincarnation. But when Buddha meditated, it was claimed that he reached a point of liberation. Liberation from what? Liberation from karma and reincarnation. Okay, so if you can break the cycle of
2: reincarnation, that's the ultimate... Yes, your yeah.
3: freedom, your liberation. Okay. Now, so when the parietal lobe goes down, hmm. when mentally, physically and spiritually that you are infinite All opposites end All op- polar opposites cease So, good and evil If good and evil cannot be perceived Because they cease to per- be perceived in the mind Yes What happens to karma? There's no more karma Right So, if there is no good and evil Because the mind is in a state That it cannot perceive Good and evil Mm. Karma disappears So Buddha was liberated from karma Now the same thing applies to reincarnation When the polar opposites of life and death Ceases If there's no life, no death Is there reincarnation? Well, there can't be No So he was liberated from reincarnation So these tensions of life Karma and reincarnation Mm. In meditation, Buddha was liberated. Okay. But stepping back, as a Christian, having read the Bible, I reflected on Christ. Now, Christ was like Buddha in a palace in heaven. Yes. And within the walls of heaven, there was no death, no Mm. old age. Mm. But Christ looked over the palace walls and saw suffering on earth. Death and old age. But... Christ didn't meditate like Buddha. He came to the earth in the likeness of sinful flesh. Yes. And in the likeness of our flesh he confronted death mm. head on. And he overcame death for us. Mm. So, the model of Christ in my mind as I studied was God whose love and whose power enabled him to confront life as it is. And as a Christian, with the power of God, having known God, having Him revealed to me through the cross and in the Bible and His Word, I began to say to myself, to get over my uh, stomach, my grain, I must begin to confront my weaknesses, my faults, my fears. Mm. So I had a completely different view of life. Christianity liberated me from fear, F- gave me the strength of love with which to confront my faults. <laughs> and it worked. It worked? It worked. Well, it, it's bundled with new stuff. Okay. Right? Not only is it like worked as a miracle, mm. first there's a psychological way of dealing with this okay. for overcoming fear yeah. of looking at life more optimistically mm. and the other part was like Newstart New start gave us very practical things to overcome stress mm. like exercise <laughs> like okay. sleep at the right time you know uh, so with a combination of physical things mental things like uh, how we look at life and the spiritual, which is the strength of God as a package mm. well, I healed, and I tell you there was a time when I joined a company that was good, well when I joined, I did not know it was going bankrupt, but after I joined it, it was going downhill mm. so when a company goes bankrupt, the bankers after your money right uh, the people who owe you money don 't want to pay mm. your good employees leave, yes, and it was the most stressful job I've ever had. Mm. And during that time, no stomach migraine. Wow. Well,
2: (laughs) that is remarkable. So you'd think that your Zen meditation would have been able to fix that based on the way it's sold. But you now experiencing Christ and, and confronting reality, understanding how the mind and the body works, through that and trust in God, you were able to... Work yes. through the stressful time with no manifestation of any stomach migraine whatsoever.
3: Yes. And, well, I, I, as I begin to, to look at the brain mm. um, and uh, the brain in meditation and what it does to the mind, uh, I, I, I've come to understand that there is a part of the brain in our frontal lobe, mm. the front part of our brain. Yes. It's called the anterior cingulate cortex. Okay. And when the anterior cingulate cortex is fired, it gives hope and optimism. And this is what the science say. Mm. And when the the anterior cingulate cortex is fired, the hope and optimism keeps the stressful part of our brain, the amygdala, very calm. So as we uh, read the Bible, as we think about um, the love of God for us, as we think about the closing scenes of Calvary, the extent of God's love, Mm. uh, it activates our... You see, our anterior cingulate cortex. Oh, it keeps our amygdala calm. Mm. So it gives us hope and optimism in the face of problems. So that's the strength of uh,
2: Christianity. So Christianity doesn't escape reality. Yeah. It can actually confront reality and still
3: remain calm. Yes. That's, wow. that's to be calm in the storm is what we want. Mm. Right? To be sitting on a beach with the sun in your face and the uh, breeze in your hair and meditating, that calmness is um, tr- uh, temporary. Yeah,
2: that's right, because right. some people only get two weeks of holiday a year, some get four. They might go and sit on the beach for a month, but what about the other 11 months? Exactly. <laughs> You've still got to confront go reality. So there's, there's such a thing known as Christian meditation. And then, of course, there's the meditation that you spoke about. What's the difference between how a Christian, I'm talking about biblical Christianity, would meditate and how Eastern philosophy would teach
3: you to meditate? What's the difference? Oh, big difference. Mm. Now, to to, to understand biblical Christian, true, authentic Christian meditation, let's look Mm. at Psalms 19, King David in meditation. Yes, There are 14 verses. In the last verse, it says, May the meditations of my heart... Be acceptable to you, O God. So the first 13 verses are his meditation. Mm. Now, I wouldn't go into details, but you could uh, could go in detail yourself. But at the end of, of his meditation, he said, in the love of God, he knew the love of God. And in knowing the love of God, he made himself, he trusted God so much that he made himself transparent to God. In the last few verses, he said, Show me, reveal to me my secret faults. Mm. In other words, faults that I do not even know of, of myself. In the love of God, show them to me, that I may deal with them, that you may help me deal with them. And then he said, Show, reveal to me also my presumptuous sins. Mm -hmm. Sins that I may assume that I do this for God and that for God. But that may just be my presumption. Yes. So he trusted God so much to ask God to reveal to him what he did not know about himself. Mm. All right. So now let's contrast that to Eastern meditation. Yes. Uh, We talked a bit about Buddha. Mm. So at the high point of his meditation... Polar opposites, all polar opposites cease to exist. No good no evil, no life, no death. Now, in fact, the Dalai Lama is reputed to have made this quote. What is love? In love, there is no judgment. Mm. In other words, if there is no judgment... if polar opposites, all polar opposites, cease, no good, no evil,
0: yeah. there
3: is obviously no judgment. Right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, what Eastern meditation does is it brings the mind to an alt- altered reality, a state of altered reality, where they detach from reality and claim to find a true reality, an, al- an alternative reality within. But this alternative reality does not have polar opposites. It does not have life and death. It does not have good and evil. It has no uh, sense of uh, heaven and hell or God and Satan. Mm. So without the anchors of reality, uh, they claim a freedom. Mm. But
2: is that real? (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm just trying to... If I understand what you're saying correctly... Would there be a denial of a court system? Would there be no- denial of a police force? Would there be no- denial of jails, where people are thrown in jail for doing the wrong thing, hurting their neighbors, stealing from them, killing them, attacking them, cheating them? How do they deal with those concepts of right and wrong? I just
3: they they, they, they look at this uh, in in a rather disjointed way. Okay. For example, obviously in the world there are good and evil people, mm. right? Um, but here is where they propose that yet in the face of all that evil every man has a a an inner divine, an inborn inner divine from birth. Okay. Resident in every man, but remain undetected, undiscovered, and can only be discovered in meditation. So whilst there is evidently evil all around us Mm. There is resident in every man That inner divinity Which is pure Uh, Ah. So whilst let's say I meditate And I discover my inner divine Mm. But you don't meditate And yet you have an inner divine Alright Yet but we are still one Now if you should be a, 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 um... a robber <laughs> and not an interviewer, <laughs> right? okay. you would still have that inner divine. Mm. You have not discovered it, but I have mine. I've discovered it, but we are still one. So it's an all-inclusive, undifferentiated love. Mm. It's, it's, it's still... Uh, 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 described as love, okay. because we are both the same. Mm. You just have refused to discover it. Wow. Well, okay. Now it's all inclusive. In other words, no one is left behind. That's how they propose it. Now the mm. question is: Is that reality? Spiritually speaking, yeah. As a spiritual question, yeah. Should should we differentiate? Let me make this somewhat clearer okay. If there are two countries mm. Country A and Country B And they are at war And me I spy for Country A against Country B Yes And in the next week I spy for Country B against Country A Do I love A Or do I love B I do not differentiate Therefore I do not care to differentiate. I do not love either A or B. Mm. I am beyond. I am enlightened. So, love has to differentiate. Yes. Love has to differentiate between good and evil. Mm. Right. If I do not care to either uh, love or hate good or love and hate evil, I do not differentiate. I am indifferent and to be indifferent is not love. Yeah.
2: Well, Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You either exactly. love one and hate the other. Yes. Yeah, you cannot serve God
3: and mammon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is where um, Eastern meditation and true biblical meditation contradict. Right. King David came to a point asking God to show him his secret faults and his presumptuous sins mm. to differentiate. Yes. Now, you remember the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yes. What did Satan say? Satan said, come on over and eat. Don't differentiate. Yeah, because you can be like God. Yes. And if if you did not differentiate, you become like God. That's what he was suggesting. Mm. Now, think about Israel. He said to Israel, worship me and God also. Don't differentiate. Yes. You see? Laodicea, that church... It's neither hot nor cold. If you had a hot tap and a cold tap mm-hmm. and you wanted lukewarm water, you mix the two. You don't differentiate. Yeah. Wow. So the power of the Bible, the power of knowing God, the power of knowing Christ at the cross brought me to a point of confronting not only my, my, my uh, faults as a human being, but also my spiritual position mm. with him, the need for sanctification. Now, as Christians, right, as Christians, all we need is to be one with Christ, right? If we are one with Christ, that's everything that we need. Mm. And what does the Bible in Hebrews 2.11 say? It says, both he, Christ, who sanctifies, and they who are sanctified become one, one. Yeah. for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, brethren. Mm. both becoming one in sanctification. Mm.
0: Mm.
3: Right? That is love. Wow. Right? So that the power of the Bible and the power of Christ is in contradiction to these uh, superficial claims mm. of Eastern meditation. And the worry is Eastern meditation is coming into the Christian church.
2: I was just saying there were some concepts you mentioned before that sounded familiar with some of the newer concepts coming into Christianity. Yes. About what grace is and that grace doesn't judge. And if you do judge, grace is ungrace. Yes. And uh, looking at things the same way that the Dalai Lama looks at things.
3: Yes. And so Christian, uh, Christianity is absorbing Eastern meditation um, but giving it a new name. Okay. Uh, it doesn't say Eastern meditation or, or well, it, it even says Christian yoga, but but more subtle. It calls uh, Eastern meditation. They, they use the same methods. They, they call it breath prayers. Okay. Right. Emptying your mind. It all seems very harmless. Breath mm. is harmless, you know. Yeah. But it's what happens in the brain. Mm. So the scientists tell you this: you can use an Eastern mantra, and in my home country. Uh, the Eastern mantra sounds like this, so, somewhat foreign to you, I'm sure, mm. your listeners. Sure. Or me, Tofford. <laughs> All right? But you can say a Western mantra or a Christian mantra, Maranatha. Mm. The scientists say you can say either, or you can say Coca Cola, Coca Cola, Coca Cola. And the same thing happens in your brain. Hmm. The sleep waves, the, uh, uh, the dopamine, the amygdala coming down, you know, the emptying of the mind, the parietal going down. The same thing happens with Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Is that right? <laughs> so it's not what you say with your lips. It's that the process oh, yeah, activates you, the same kind of neural phenomena. Mm. That's what is dangerous. Mm. So the method which Christianity is absorbing... Causes the same neural phenomena, and when that f- neural phenomena happens in the Christian or in the in the Christian meditator, they 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 presume it's the same uh, spiritual happening. Mm. So what um, the Hindus call nirvana, what the Buddhists call uh, uh, liberation, the Christian calls it at one man or oneness with God or being in the presence of God. But it's the same neural phenomena. So we mustn't mistake neural phenomena with the real presence of God. Mm. So this is where the danger is. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's a a fascinating uh, walk that you've just taken us through because I'm starting to see some warning signs in regards to the way people are approaching Christianity now. It's through an Eastern lens that they bring into Christianity. And I'm looking at the teachings of Jesus, which is actually a good antidote, and of a counteraction to that. Because Jesus talks about, you know, praying. Do not use vain repetition, for example. Oh, yes. You know, like the heathen do. <laughs> yes. And uh, in this quite often, you know, the breath prayers and those, it's, a lot of it's repetition. Even some of the music, there's so much repetition in
3: some of the Christian music nowadays. Yes. It's the repetition. The repetition uh, dulls, the frontal lobe. Mm. And the frontal lobe is where um, one chooses right from wrong. Right. Uh, a, part, a particular part called, uh, again, the anterior cingulate cortex. It is a place, it's a place of, of choosing what's right and what's wrong and then it's a place of the will, the mm. strength of determination. When the frontal lobe is uh, uh, taken offline... Now, this is, okay. this is something that uh, uh, your, your viewers can Google. Mm. Google meditation and you will see thousands of reference how meditation takes the frontal lobe offline. Mm. What it means is that you have a... A meditator may have and probably does have a perfectly healthy frontal lobe. Mm. But in meditation, the whole process is to take it away as if it is not there offline. Mm. Okay, by starving the frontal lobe and thinking of nothing for hours is to take it offline. Offline, yeah. And scientists looking at yoga actually detects a reduced blood flow to the frontal lobe, taking it offline. Wow. So when your frontal lobe is taken offline, where your reality and choosing right from wrong and your will is taken offline, mm. you are very susceptible to suggestions. And so that, taking it offline, is what Columbia University regards as self-hypnosis. So scientists are already saying, uh, many of them, that Eastern meditation is self-hypnosis. And what is the suggestion? Hypnosis is being able to pass a suggestion to the hypnotized. Mm. Self-hypnosis is to pass a, a suggestion... To self, what is the suggestion that comes through to Buddha? Liberation. What is the suggestion that comes to someone doing transcendental meditation? Universal consciousness. What is the suggestion to an unconverted Christian doing Christian, so-called Christian meditation? Mm. He's one with God, although he's not really converted. So it's the power of hypnotic suggestion Mm. to oneself self-hypnosis. Wow.
2: Look, this has been a fascinating journey. I know there's so much more information you can share with us and I appreciate your time. What we're going to do is we're just going to take a short break here, share our contact details and then we'll just come back and wrap it up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 3456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you.
2: Well, welcome back. My special guest in the studio today here on location at Anon in Malaysia is Yip Toh, And we've just been talking about his experience coming from Zen meditation and then becoming a Christian and the differences between these two. Now, there's so much information that you have shared with us and much more we could cover. But if any of our listeners out there want to find more information
3: on this, where could they go to get this information? Oh, you could go to my website. Um, I've it's got lots of information and particularly three videos of three hours in total. Right. Uh, the website's name is Meditation-MindYourBrain. One word, mindYourbrain.com. Okay, so meditation-mindyourbrain.com.
2: Now, dear listener, if you do happen to not be able to write that down at the moment, you can contact us on the previous information we shared with you. And we'll be able to forward that to you. But Yipkato, thank you very much for coming to share your testimony and your insights into uh, the new spirituality that is pervading all aspects of religion and bringing the world together under one umbrella. And we, we did talk when we were offline that, you know, under the beast, the dragon and the false prophet, there will be three unclean spirits going to deceive the whole world and bringing them together for the battle of God Almighty for that day, for Armageddon. Yes. So these information they can get on the website will help them just to prepare themselves so they do not get deceived and sucked in by this deception that will sweep
3: the whole world. Yes. Well, I'm glad to have been able to be on your program. Thank Mm. you very much.
2: It's been a pleasure to have you. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God bless.